ACASTCAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Gran Leyenda Tequila. This tequila knows there's no substitute for a great taste. This award-winning and organic tequila is handcrafted and comes in four different flavors. Gran Leyenda takes great pride introducing the world to organic tequilas that do not compromise quality. To learn more, visit GranLeyendaTequila.com. Gran Leyenda, the official tequila of the East-West Football Podcast. Must be 21 and older to enjoy. Please drink responsibly. Life and football are very similar. Without an identity, you will not achieve your ultimate prize. Defense wins championships. Pride and passion meet success. You got to love what you do. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to another edition of the East-West Football Podcast. I am Fidel Barraza. Along to the women, like always, Kendall Whitley, Jerry Martinez, and welcome back to another edition of the Grambling State Wednesdays here on the East-West Football Podcast. Our first guest tonight is the defensive line coach for the Grambling State Tigers, Ken Delgado. How you doing? Doing great, thank you. Coach, so tell us, how did you get into coaching? Well, I mean, a lot. If you if you if you've talked to a lot of coaches, oftentimes they find their way into coaching because they usually have, usually have been influenced by a coach sometime in their youth, growing up, and uh, coaching careers usually unfold. You, you don't wake up. Especially when you're a player, the last thing, when you, a player asks you, "What do you want to do when you when you're done playing ball?" The last thing a guy says, "I want to be a coach." You know, normally you're you're kind of have adversarial love and hate relationships with coaches. But um, I had a great relationship with my high school coach, and as I was finishing my degree at San Jose State University, he asked me to come help uh, coach, and then things sort of just unfolded uh, from a career standpoint, and so. It wasn't something that was planned. I was gonna gonna work in the Silicon Valley uh, with a business degree, but uh, you know, life life turned it different ways. Yeah, and shout out San Jose, California. I'm originally from there. My sister graduated from the university, which uh, where you did. So uh, I'm from the Bay Area. So I love the Bay. Awesome, no question. I'm from East San Jose, born and bred. Yeah, I'm right off of Mancra Avenue on the west side of San Jose by the Winchester Mystery House. So, yeah, well, I'm on the other side of town. I was off Jackson, Jackson and Story. Yep. All right, Coach. So, so kind of tell us a little bit. So, as a player, you transitioned into coaching, and how was that transition for you? Well, it was difficult at first. Um, what I did was, as I mentioned before, I was uh, finishing my business degree and um, was helping my high school coach. Uh, at Yerba Buena High School there in East San Jose. And um, I was doing that, enjoying having fun, finishing my my uh, upper, upper division uh, business courses. And uh, and so uh, it was something that I was doing pretty much more as a hobby. And But I was enjoying it, having fun, uh, uh, trying to uh, be the young coach, connecting with the players and try to get the most out of them. So that was that was a, a joy, you know, that that, that part of it. And then what I did was I, my high school coach, he said, Hey, Kenny, we're going to go to a, a coaching clinic. And I didn't know what that was. That's usually a seminar, professional development type situation. And uh, the guy speaking was my offensive line coach that I played for at San Jose state university. And I sat in the front of the uh, meeting room just to kind of try, just try to harass him because 
I just spent four years wow. in meetings with this guy. And so now I'm here to hear him speak. Would you, that's, you've got to be a glutton for punishment to do that. So he was shocked to see me and he goes, well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm coaching help in my high school. And he goes, come see me on Monday. If you're, you're coaching right now, come see me on Monday. And I did, you, you do what your coach says. So I was there, I was there on time on Monday. And he asked me if I wanted to uh, be a graduate assistant coach at San Jose. And uh, it was something that to me, if, you, if, a, if a coach knows that you have an interest in coaching or you're doing it and they see something in you, then, uh, then they, uh, they, they give you an opportunity. And, and really that's how coaches really, you can't meet a coach that is that if, if he's transcended the, his career as a coach, you cannot find a coach who has not been helped or uplifted by former coaches or other coaches. It's, it's the kind of profession that you need someone to carry your flag, carry your sword. And how did you end up at Grambling State University? Now, we know you did have, you know, you worked with Coach Jackson in the past. So kind of just tell us how you ended up being their uh, new defensive line coach. Well, my, my relationship with Coach Jackson really was, it, it evolved in coaching, but it really has been a lifelong relationship. Um, he was playing at UOP when I was coaching at San Jose as a graduate assistant. And we met, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a great story in the sense that I was doing, I was doing the, the, all the, uh, the grunt work as a graduate coach. And so I knew our opponents and I knew who Jackson was. He was the quarterback and we were playing UOP and, and we were a dominant team over, over the, uh, that year. And, and we were, uh, we were beating UOP pretty bad. And coach Jackson was the quarterback. He was a senior quarterback at UOP. And we must have knocked him out of the game three times, at least. And, we, and, and he kept, they'd carry him off the sideline. They'd carry him off the field. Well, sure enough, you know, three plays later, he'd be back. And so it was like, it was like a, it was like a Jason movie. It just, he just kept coming back. Coming back. <laughs> and, and so, you know, even though you're winning and you, you all of a sudden everyone on, on our sideline was just going like, and we were hitting him, we were pummeling him. And he just kept coming back, and and I don't know how the guy could walk after the game, but but uh, we all knew who he was at the end of the game. We we even though we won soundly, we felt uh, Coach Jackson really made an impression on us. So we were at a coaching clinic. I was at a coaching convention in New Orleans, Louisiana, and when you go to a, a, a national coaching convention, there's five thousand coaches there. And uh, if you've ascended in your career, then it's usually a great networking situation. But if you're a young coach, you don't know anybody and you feel lost and you don't really feel like you have the networking or the association to, uh, to really be, you know, a part of the, uh, part of the coaching fraternity. And uh, I saw coach Jackson across the lobby amongst thousands of coaches. I walked over to him and I, and I introduced myself and told him I was at San Jose state and we started laughing. And, and so we're looking around in awe as young coaches. We were all, we were both in our early twenties. And, and we just said, uh, this is a pretty intimidating, uh, environment we don't know anybody we're just we don't we're nobodies in the coaching profession and like coach jackson is he's very charismatic he's a very uh positive forward thinker he goes kenny he goes right now we are we are going to be we're bonded as coaches we are our we're our two network right now we're going to walk around we're going to act like like we belong uh and we're going to be we're going to start our own posse right here you and me and I looked at him and I said, what? And he goes, and he goes, sure enough. And so what we did is we stuck together that whole convention. And then at the end of the convention, Coach Jackson says, you watch. It will be a short time before all of a sudden we will be known in this community and we will have coaches wanting to come be with us. And so we then started, you know, coaching our, our coaching career. And sure enough, we, we became dominant recruiters in, in uh, South Central Los Angeles, made names for ourselves. We never worked together, but we were always tied to the hip with our relationship and our camaraderie. And, um, when, you know, we said one day, hey, if one, of, if one of us gets to be a head coach, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna work together. And so it took a long time, but it wasn't until he became the head coach of the Cleveland Browns where he, where he uh, uh, said, Kenny, come and join me. I was, we were, we were having a lot of success. I was with Jeff Brom at Western Kentucky and we were, we were, we were shaking the world um, with, uh, in the Conference USA. And uh, you invited me to come join his staff with Browns. And it was sort of like a, a culmination of a, of a long relationship over 20 years of coaching where we had, we have actually coached against each other more than we ever coached with each other. But we're doing all that, uh, during all that uh, comp competitive uh, scenarios, we, we always remain very, very tight. And so that's, that's the strength and bond of our relationship. Hey, Coach Ken, how you doing? I'm doing great. 
Cage Killer, would you um, would you been on the defensive line as a coach or whatnot? What is one of the keys that you try to tell your guys about keys to look for in the offensive line of like something that can give off a play, whether it's gonna be a run play or a pass play? Well, the thing that you you know, there's a in coaching you uh you kind of you kind of go to coaching clinics and you learn from other coaches and it's and there's this clinical clinical path that you have to take in terms of dealing with players. And I at one point in my career. I stopped listening to other coaches. I started, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, my philosophy in teaching is going to be, I'm going to look at good players. I'm going to watch what they do and I'm going to teach what they do. I'm not going to listen to some, some old guy that gets up on a score on, on a chalkboard and tells you how to coach because really your best teacher are the players. And it's funny because you're there to teach the players, but like in so many, in, in so many ways in life, you, you know, the student teaches the, the, the student, you learn from the student more than the student learns from you. And so, what I learned from players is that, is that you look at them and say, hey, you got to play the run, you got to play the pass. And so you, you, get, you get in your stance, and as soon as the ball snaps, you react to what you see. And, uh, and the, you know, if you, to, 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 if you really think about that conceptually, that you on the split second, you're supposed to recognize what that person is doing and then do it. And so, and respond to it on defense. Well, that's not reality. The, the great players, the good players, what they do is they look, they, they, they try to pick up any instinctual uh, observation they can, whether it's the down, the obvious ones are down a distance. They look at the stance, they feel, they feel the quarterback, they, they feel the tension and really a good player. He decides in his mind, whether it's going to be run or pass before he puts his hand in the dirt. And so now when he does, when the ball snapped, if he's, if he, if he knows his pass, he's using his instincts to rush the passer. And that's how you get a jump. On, on rushing the passer and if the guy if the guy feels like it's going to be a run play he'll he'll anchor down and he'll be more stout and he'll be lower to the ground and he plays the run well a good player is not always going to be right every 100 percent of the time so what they have to do is they have to learn that if i'm playing the pass my instincts are telling me to play the pass then i got to react to the run if i'm playing the run i got to react to the pass but a great player a great instinctual player he knows he has his mind made up before the ball snapped and so I teach that now. I tell the guys, I said, you read all the signs, the stance. If there's anything you can pick up, and, and we try to help them on film. If we see something, <clears throat> if an offensive lineman holds his arm a certain way, if it's pass in his stance, then we try to pick that up on film. And we try to, you try to teach defensive football is very instinctual. And a lot of coaches don't, don't teach instincts. And that's a, that's a big mistake. You, 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 if you want players to be instinctual, instinctive, then you got to teach them to be instinctive. And so that's, that's something that to me is one of the biggest coaching points that I do is, is to teach instincts, not just mechanics. I, when I, you hope get your, made, I hope that made sense. It made a whole lot. It made too much sense. <laughs> but when, when you get your schedule to start this, and there was some real good, I love the insight there. When you get your schedule to start the season, what's one of the first things you look for? Well, you know, you're the season schedule. The, you know, this. You look at the schedule, and you try to, you try to, you know, just like anyone else, you try to see where, you know, where, where, where are going to be the ebbs and flows in terms of who you're playing. Um, you try not to have any preconceived. You know, they say, hey, every game, every game, the same, and and that's not the truth. If you're playing, if you're playing. You know, we were the Browns. If we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, on week one, that was a big, big game. And then if we we're playing, you know, the Detroit Lions, the second game, it, it, it's not the same. And so you, you, you try to, you try to analyze the schedule and see where are the, where are the, you know, where's the road going to be bumpy and where's it going to be a little smoother. And, um, and then, you know, you don't, you don't really try to, you, you just have a mindset in your mind in terms of what, what that schedule is going to look like as the season progresses. Appreciate it so much, coach. Hey coach. Uh, so man, I mean, I, I, I'm still in wow. Uh, I mean, right for the get go, uh, when you and Fidel were, were exchanging, you know, I I picked up on some things and I was like, man, I have to write these things down, right? Because it's interesting story. Like for instance, Coach Jackson was, he was you, you said he was a, a quarterback and you knocked him out of the game. I did. Well, our, your team, our, our defense did. Wow, so that's crazy, right? To know that 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 relationship is so pure and so it's so awesome. It goes back to that to that instance right so that's kind of cool i thought i was like man right there that's enough to just seal it that's a good that's a good uh podcast let's just move forward but 
Man, I'm really interested. So you say you guys were recruiters at one point? Yeah, we both were. You know, we can't, you have to earn your stripes as a recruiter. And you're, normally when you're the young coach on the staff, they put you in the really bad recruiting areas. They don't think you're experienced enough to recruit. And, um, and so, but really, you can't really, a, a good recruiter is, he's not taught, he is. If you can go into a living room and you can gain the trust of people, if you could, if you could read the room, if you can, if you can blend in to whether it's a Polynesian family, an African-American family, Hispanic family, it doesn't matter, a, a, a white, a white upper-class family, you don't, when you, you walk into multiple living rooms and when you can morph and make them feel comfortable with you, then you have, then you have what it takes to be a good recruiter. Um, now, Coach Jackson, very charismatic. We both were, were guys that we, we, we recruited inner city Los Angeles. And it's interesting, Coach Jackson was from Dorsey High School. And, and everyone knows, Coach Jackson was an all-city quarterback on a, on a he was, a, their team won the city championship. Oh, wow. he, was re, he was revered at Dorsey High School amongst the LA inner city coaches, except for one school. And that school was Crenshaw High School. Oh, wow. Crenshaw High School and Dorsey, they were, they were bitter, bitter rivals. They're just, well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a neighborhood thing. And so what I did was, unbeknownst to me, I became very, very close, very, very tight. At that time, the, the head coach at Crenshaw High School was a young coach named Robert Garrett, who is now still the head coach at Crenshaw High School, who is the winningest coach in L.A. City history. Wow. And so, but, but this was years, years ago, even when Coach Garrett came around, and I, be, I, I gained Coach Garrett's trust. And he threw more coaches out of his office because if he thought you were full of shit, he threw you out of his office. And so for some reason, he, he, he endorsed me. And I, I had free reign. I can go into Crenshaw High School, which was the most feared place to go into to recruit. And I had carte blanche at, at, at Crenshaw High School. And so Coach Jackson, he had carte blanche everywhere else in the city. But, but Crenshaw High School. And so what we did was, is that we both recruited the city from different schools. And he would, he would, he would open the door for me at Locke, at Dorsey, at San Pedro, Narbonne. He would open the door for me in those, class, in those schools. And I would walk, we'd, we'd actually go into the school together, even though we were rivals. And then, but, and all I had to do is I had to get him into Crenshaw. And he could walk into Crenshaw, even though he was a Dorsey graduate, Dorsey player. It, it, it transcended all the, th all the stuff that goes on in the neighborhood at that time. You, we all know the history of, of South Central Los Angeles. And so that's real. And so we bonded. And so we just helped each other. And I, I, he could get me into any school. We'd go into Compton. We'd go into everywhere. We, we, were, we feared no one in, in, in L.A. recruiting and, um, and all I had to do was get him into Crenshaw, and I did, and I was the only one. I was the only one that could get him into Crenshaw. Nobody else could. So we just, we just worked together, and, even, and if we were recruiting the same guy, we just, we just did it. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get it. It didn't get personal in that regard. But Coach Jackson was a hard guy to beat because he's very charismatic. The guy is a charismatic man. And I was more of a, I was more of a trusting type guy. I didn't have all the flash. And I, was not from, I was not from L.A., I was not from inner city LA. I was from Northern California. So I was, I was an outsider. And especially unless we, when we went to the East side, when we went to the East side and my Brown skin, you know, opened the door for me, Heck, I, need, I, I needed, I needed, I needed help at Westchester. I needed help at, at, uh, at Fremont. I needed, so we helped each other recruiting. And, um, and so I, you know, I'd get him into East LA and, and Crenshaw and he'd get me everywhere else. And we just, we ran the city and, uh, and everyone wanted to, recruit everyone wanted to, to to recruit with me and coach jackson we would we would not we kept that closed we we recruited la inner city and we owned it. long beach we owned it and so that's so we had that bond and, and everyone knew that if, if coach jackson was was at dorsey high school everyone knew i was at dorsey high school if i was at lock high school they know coach jackson was at lock high school so we were like you know we were like the lone ranger and, and tonto recruiting and running the streets of la just just recruiting and getting great players and having fun. Wow, man, that that is crazy, man. And you know, uh, and it's crazy that you said that because I, I I believe I, I don't I don't recall the name, but I saw a movie about an NFL player. Um, it's on Netflix, and he went to Crenshaw. Um, it's a very like I forget the name. I forgot the name of the actual Netflix, but 
but it's it's kind of cool because that Netflix series allows me to see the high school of Crenshaw and how they do football there in that area. And are you talking, and about, they, all, are you talking about the All American? You know what? That's that's the one. That's the one. But so the thing about it was we knew we knew the we know the the guys that I mean that was Pace Singer that that he was at Beverly Hills High School that there was a lot of you know the, it was fictional but it, it was fictional based on true story we knew all those guys we go to wow. we would go to Beverly Hills High School we knew. We knew those guys. We knew the Pacinger family. Man, that's a good series, though. But like you said, I mean, I mean, it's based off facts, right? But it's a good mm-hmm. series because it lets you yeah. see the California side. You see, because I'm from Texas, so Texas football. We know, like the we know the schools that are going to be consistently ch- uh, fighting for the state uh, the state championship. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool that 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 Netflix series opens up and allows me to understand that. So let me get a couple of takeaways from that because man, you, you have done a great job of explaining this. So like to be a recruiter, can anybody be a recruiter or it's mainly like, uh, like you said, coaching staff. Uh, so let's say I wanted to do something like that. Can anybody do become a recruiter or. And I used to, I used to kind of, when I was younger and I cared about what people said, I didn't like the term recruiter. Okay. It, it brings a, a negative stigma. We're, we are is we're coaches and teachers and recruiting is one of the things that we have to do. Oh. So to me, when I, when I would think of a recruiter, I'm thinking of a, a shady, handshaking, slick dude. That's a recruiter. Yeah. Um, we, we were coaches that had to recruit. And by NC2A rules, the only guys that could go out and leave the campus and recruit were guys that were full-time members on the staff. Oh. So not anyone could do it. You had to. And so, you know, you could, if you, if you could not, if you didn't enjoy recruiting and if you weren't good at it, then it, it really hindered your ability to ascend in, in the, in the profession. It's something that, you know, you had to, you had to be able to do if you were going to, uh, the other coaches that were not good recruiters and, and still, you know, made their way in the coaching profession, but the, 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 the way you become very marketable and, and every job we had, you know, we went, we moved on to the, you know, I moved on to the University of Utah, San Diego State, UC Berkeley. Every place the door opened up, not only because of how, how our players played, but because we, we had reputations of guys that could go in and recruit. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that when you have that badge, when you get, when you become a mate guy as a recruiter, then it stays with you and you become very marketable with head coaches. Yeah. That's the, I mean, man, again, that's so informative. Thank you so much for that. Um, I, I, I do want to say we did do a little bit of homework on you. So it is, I mean, you can find so much things on the, on the internet nowadays, right? But it says that you helped develop 11 players, including three first round picks and two all pros uh, in the correct. NFL. Uh, do you, do you, I mean, do you know the names? I mean, uh, it's all good. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to share, but I mean, we were no, kind of curious. Friend, the first guy that I worked with that became a first round draft choice was Luther Ellis at the university at, of Utah. Wow. He was a great player. And I, you know, I, 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 you always give credit to the players. If they're a first round draft, you hear coaches that are, you know, I go back to those shyster recruiters. Hey, you know, come, come play for me. I get you in the NFL. Yeah. That's, that's 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 an injustice to the player because it's ninety percent the player, ten percent the coach. Mm. But but the coaching is important. But that ten percent is a big ten percent. Yeah. But Luther Ellis was the first first round pick that I that I uh, I had the opportunity to work with, and then um, a, a defensive lineman at Cal named Tyson Alualu who, who went with the with the Carolina Panthers and Cameron Jordan. Cameron Jordan. Wow. My guy. And I, they were my third. They were my first rounders, but. Two of my two of my really really all pro players were uh, Leroy Glover with the Cowboys. Wow! Uh, I had him at San Diego State, and then I had you know people you know I don't know if people remember KGB Kabir Bajabiamela who is still he's still the sack leader for the Green Bay Packers and for San Diego State University. <laughs> he, he, he's the he's the sack leader for the Green Bay Packers right now, and and those guys were all pro players, and then many players that were played in the NFL. Uh, one guy that was one of my favorite players is Lorenzo Alexander, who played for the Buffalo Bills. He asked me, and I was at co- I was at coaching at Cal, and he was not even my best defensive tackle on, on, on my defensive line. And he goes, Coach, what's it going to take to to play in the NFL? And I said, and I, I'll give this advice to any player who wants to be that has aspirations to be in the NFL. There, there's too many already, but I said, I said, Lorenzo, if you can be the smartest guy in the room, 
the coach will find a way to keep you in the room. And that's what, and when you're in an NFL room, that's the, that's the biggest thing is to keep your chair, you know, to keep your seat, to stay in the building. And sure enough, Lorenzo, he, he went with the Washington Redskins. They tried to make an offensive lineman. He, but he knew, he knew the schemes better than the, than the coaches. Then he found a spot with the Buffalo Bills and, and went on to be a great player for Buffalo retired uh, two seasons ago, but he had, he had a, an over like a 12 year career with NFL and, and, uh, He's just one of many that, uh, um, you know, I, I, I believe that uh, he, their experience, Brandon Mebane for the Chargers, I had him, I had him, he was an all-pro player, um, uh, nose tackle for the Chargers. And so it goes on and on, guys that uh, you've had the opportunity to work for that are talented guys, but you had to kind of get them right in order for them to, to get to the NFL. And, and, and then there were a lot of guys that just played for a couple of years, but those were the most prominent guys. Yeah, no, that's still, I mean, wow. I thank you so much for sharing that insight, man. I mean, wow. You're like a fountain of, of just great information. Uh, but I will say this, I mean, seeing you and, and having experiences with my, with my coaches, man, I'll tell you this, you have this energy about you that right now is kind of matching the energy that I've been talking to, you know, previous coach, uh, coaches, staff and, and players, like, you know, I asked them to explain the energy levels, right? Like from their point of view, but man, I could kind of see it. A lot of it's coming from you and coach Hugh Jackson to, <laughs> to be quite honest. So, you know, how important is that to accomplishing a championship for, for any coach, uh, regardless of position, uh, or, you know, you know, positional, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. How important is that? Well, you know, I- there, there's another thing that really, if you re, if you're really going to make it in the coaching profession, is obviously the recruiting piece, which I explained about. But the other thing that really shows up on tape, and this is where your 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 resume is not a you, coaches don't you don't very rarely does a coach really get a job because, because he goes into interview and interviews well. Your your interview is when other coaches see your players play, and so, for example. If, you know, I was the defensive line coach at San Diego State, I turned down three jobs because I didn't want to leave San Diego, three Pac-10 jobs. And the reason why is because they would watch the defensive line at San Diego State. And the one thing, and it's the greatest compliment any coach ever wants to hear is like, man, you coach at San Diego State. And uh, I saw you guys, I saw the game tape of you guys playing USC. Man, your dudes play, your guys play hard. and so. If your guys play hard, then that that means something because guys are going to play hard, but it's not it's not innate in your to just play extremely hard. You, you some guys do it. Some guys are born with it. They're going to play hard no matter what. But you really, it's hard. It's hard to play hard. And so, but if your players play hard, then then there's something they're playing for more than just to win the game. They're playing because. It's like any good, any good student, they want to please their teacher. They want to please you. And if your players or your, your, your people that work for you or you, or even you, you want to please whoever you're, whoever you're subordinate, you're subordinate to, you want to please that dude who's in charge of you. And so if your players reflect on tape that they're playing harder, more than they just normally would, because you can see guys that play hard and then you can say, shit, those guys play freaking hard. Well, that, that says something about the coach because they're, they're playing for their coach. They're trying to please their coach. And if you have that relationship with players, then you're going to get, and, and that's, I think that's motivational for anybody. And it, it transitions any profession. The people that work hard for you is because you're a good leader. You're a good teacher. If you're, you know, same thing with raising kids, it's the same thing. And so it, if you have a relationship and, and your players want to please you, then they're going to show it on tape. And, and that you can say whatever you want. If it's not on tape, it's, it's not true. The tape is the truth. Words are not, don't mean anything. And so that's your other, that's your other way that you, you ascend in this profession is your, your, if your guys play, they don't always have to do things right, but if they play hard, if they play with their hair on fire, then that's a reflection of the coach as well. Not just, you know, it's the player too, but there's more to it. If, especially if, if all of them play hard, if you have just one guy that plays hard, yeah, okay. That guy, that guy, he, there's something special about that guy, but if they all play hard, 
and then they bring in four more and those guys play hard, then that's a reflection of the coach, the, the, the leadership, whether it's the position coach or whether it's the head coach. Players will play hard. If you, if like Hugh Jackson, you know, I'll coach hard for Hugh Jackson and players will play hard for Coach Jackson. Wow, man. Well said, man. I love it. I'm loving this. Uh, I can't wait to see exactly what Grambling is going to be doing this year. Uh, uh, I know that I know that I'm going to be paying attention closely. Hopefully I get to see you on the sideline, maybe even visit a game coach. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for all the insight. I wish you nothing but success and, uh, and best of luck this season. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was fun talking. It was fun talking. I probably talked too much, but it was fun. Coach, a couple, a couple more questions for you real quick. So uh, one question being, what can we expect from these, uh, this defensive line this season coming up? And also a player that you think is going to stand out from the rest in this upcoming season. Well, it's 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 a little premature. It's, it's kind of a it's kind of a new marriage with a, with a new defensive line. And uh, the thing that is, uh, and it's a new scheme. It's a new scheme. Uh, it's it's the transition with that Grambling went from a three down front to a four down front. It has something to do a little bit of the personnel. Um, they were heavy in outside linebackers and, and defensive ends and very and very light at D tackles, true D tackles. And so we're trying to fit a little bit of a square peg in a round hole right now. But um, the thing that, that that we do, we are athletic on defense with our with our defensive line. Uh, we're going to be playing a scheme that is very, very multiple. I mean, it's a you know, I, I worked for two defense coordinators in the NFL and our scheme at Gramlin is every bit as 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 uh, uh, complicated as an NFL scheme, and so uh, it's going to be exciting because we're going to we're, we're going to do a lot of movement, a lot of blitzes, a lot of pressure. It's going to be a fun defense to play in, and and the premium for the defensive line is going to be their intelligence and their ability to move. And we are athletic. We're not the biggest defensive line, but we're athletic, and and so it's going to be exciting, fun to watch. But I I think our defensive end position is 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 going to be really really good and we have three guys and i, I know you asked for one but uh, we have three players that that really stood out in spring um that i think are going to be they're going to they're going to make their they're going to make their presence known in the league uh jalen sheffield uh brian powell and blake blake thomas those three defensive ends uh are are, are to me going to be they're going they're going to drive us and we have a really good defense tackle in wesley green um but the defense, we're, the defensive ends are going to lead the way for us. So we have guys behind them, but those are the three standouts. We have, I think we have six defensive ends that are very, very good. All right, coach. Well, just want to say thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Uh, good luck this upcoming season. Uh, and we'll hopefully you can catch up soon. All right, guys. It was fun talking to you guys. I appreciate your time and your attention. I appreciate yours. Thank you so much. All righty. Coming up next, wide receiver Lyndon Rash joins us. Stick around. Our next guest is a wide receiver for the Grambling State Tigers. Lyndon Rash, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? How you doing, uh, you guys? Uh, Fidel, Jerry, and Kendall. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to come talk, you know what I'm saying, introduce myself. Yeah, man, I appreciate your time. I really do. I know it's a little bit later for you. Um, so, hey, go to introduce yourself to the audience. Who's Lyndon Rash? Uh, I'm, I'm Lyndon Rash. I'm from Baton Rouge. Uh, I grew up with my mom and dad in the house. Uh, real big uh, football guy. Uh, grew up running track, football, basketball, you know, so on, so on. Uh, actually, when I, was, I got the love of football, I started off playing quarterback. So I was a quarterback. And I played safety also. I got to high school. I transformed into, like, receiver and a safety. And uh, I went to Madison Prep. That's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I graduated from there in 2017, and I signed a scholarship to come to Grambling. And I was kind of choosing between was I going to go play DBA, uh, the University of Houston, or I was going to come to uh, Grambling and play receiver because I, I got, like, a, bi a biological brother who played for Gremlin. Uh Chad Williams, he got drafted in 2017 to the Cardinals, third round. So, 
you know, I got, I kind of, that's only like the only fam, only Gramley I got in the family. I got a couple family that rep Gramlin, but most of my Gramlin's Southern. So, you know, Baton Rouge, Southern, it go hand in hand. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's kind of like, now that I went to Gramlin, kind of like uh, size and, you know, opposite. So that may kind of make it interesting around uh, Thanksgiving time for the Bayou Classic, you know? So, um, yeah, bro, I'm a, uh, I feel like I'm a, uh, I feel like I'm just, you just got to find out more about me. I don't really like talking about myself, man. You just got to come find out about me. You know, I'm a cool dude. I just work hard. All I know is work. I work my butt off. You know what I'm saying? And, you know what I'm saying? I understand that, you know, certain stuff people is put to your life, you know, for a reason. I know everything happened for a reason. Like even me talking right here, you know what I'm saying, happened for a reason. So I just, I'd be blessed for opportunities and stuff like that. So that's a little, that's all I got for myself unless you guys want to know more about me and you know what I'm saying if I missed anything you know you want to know just let me know oh yeah man we got some questions for you I'll start out by asking you who would you compare your game to guys in the league I see myself guys like AJ Brown uh Debo Samuel and if we want to go back in the day not not too much back in the day but a couple of years ago Anquan Bowden okay yeah Anquan Bowden big body you know what I'm saying run good routes you know what I'm saying? Physical in the run game. You know what I'm saying? Just a dog. So Julio Jones, I I take Julio. How was your Damn. first interaction with the with, with the coach Hugh Jackson? Uh my first interaction was what it was. I think I saw him, I think I was impressed with him at his first like press conference. They had like in the uh in the gym, his first press conference. I was just impressed and he was just happy and he just he like he wanted to get Grambling like back on top and to you know back to winning and stuff like that. Uh, I was just really impressed with him and how, like how Dalek and like direct he is. Like he gonna let you know and you know, if, if he gonna take care of his kids. Like whatever you need, like he just wants you to work your butt off. He a real coach that he just wants you to work your butt off. He one of those type coaches. What can we expect from you this upcoming season and just the Grambling State uh, Tigers football team in general? Uh, you should expect a lot of touchdowns, a lot of touchdowns, uh, good defense, good energy. Uh, you're going to see some guys who's, who, who's, who've, who've went through, you're going to see offense that have went through three offensive coordinators in the spring who, who, who got it together in the summer, uh, put it all together in the fall. Uh, you're going to see a hungry defense. Like you're going to see guys that, that really grind it out together and going to put the work in, and we, we interested to see how, how this fall season going to, like, turn out. Like, you're going to see some guys who really came in and bought in to what Hugh and, you know what I'm saying, the coaches uh want us to uh, – the direction that he want to lead us into, like, like you're going to see some dogs. You're going to see some dogs come this far. How many touchdowns? 14. 14, all right. 14, four, 14, 14, and it don't matter how many catches. All right. 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. All right, Lyndon. Thank you so much. Hey, Lyndon, what's going on with you, man? What's going on, Mr. Kendall? Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, man, are you are you more – do you feel like you're more comfortable in the slot or outside at wide receiver? Um, I actually been playing a slot the last two to three years, and I kind of just got the hang of it. So, like, I'm loving it in the slot. Like, so, because I I feel like I'm more helpful to the team in the slot. I think that's why I'm there. I love to go outside. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like uh, I'm in a slack because, you know, I can help in the run game with blocking. You know what I'm saying? I don't mind getting dirty. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, route standpoint, uh, if you want to do anything on the perimeter, uh, a lot of things down the middle. When you're in a slack, you got to catch things over the middle. You know, big body, strong hands. You know, so uh, I feel like I'm more I'm more valuable to the team in a slack. But I also, you know, so I could play outside. If that you feel like do you yeah yeah it, yeah it answers it. Do you feel like in your slot, your rat tree comes up more more available, so you can do a lot more out, coming out that slot. Yeah, you got more room to play with, but you also got way more defenders to uh, evade, and you know, saying you got to maneuver through linebackers. Uh, sometimes when you tight, you maneuvering through D linemen, linebackers, and safeties. So you know what I'm saying. So I feel like the the, the slot is a lot tougher than the outside. Outside, I feel like you beat the cornerbacks. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've, I've heard different. I mean, I, lo- I love wide receivers. I'm already looking at the receivers in the draft this year. On um, one right. of my miss, so I, 
I got a lot of past and present RCs that I really like and endure and whatnot. Um, as of like right now, like, or do you feel what? What are your weaknesses? Do you feel out of, out of, in your game right now? A weakness. Let's just say, I'm gonna say a weakness. Let me see if I can find a weakness. I, I have a weakness. You know what I'm saying? It's let's just say I'm trying to what I want to say. It's called a turnover. It's called like a turnover. Like one of them guys who hit like they hit a gear. I'm trying to work on my turnover. That phase of my game, like you know, what I'm saying I could catch make guys miss, but then now when you make them miss, you got to be able to run. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to run away from people. So I kind of want to, like, help being, like, a more vertical threat, like, as far as, like, yards after the catch and, and breaking them and running. So, like, uh, I say more explosive. Let's just say I'm a weak – I should be – I'm trying to be more explosive. I'm working on being more <laughs> explosive. This is a weakness, so it's something that I'm working on. So, yeah, more explosive. Do you feel like you have that dog in you as a wide receiver? Like that, hey, I want the ball. This, I'm going to take over the game and whatnot. Like, do you feel like that's you? Or do you feel like you more like whenever it comes your way, you just get it? Okay, that, that, that's like a two-way. It go back it go back and forth. Like, I want it. But if it ain't coming to me and somebody else eating, that's fine. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? I, I want the rock. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like. You know, so I do with the right, but if it ain't coming to me and we moving, you know what I'm saying? I go help in the run game more. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't really tripping on, you know, if the right coming to you because, you know, the game's 60 minutes. So, you know what I'm saying? We got a long game. I know I feel like it's going to come to you. I've been playing football a long time. I know how it works. Right. Right. And do you feel like, I mean, this is my last one to you about the receiver position or whatnot. Getting off the press, do, I mean, are you comfortable getting off that press? Whether you want to uh, fly yeah. or outside? Yeah. yeah I, I, I like when you press up. Okay, that's a good one, man, because I've been working on my receiving skills, too, so I might have to, you know, link up with you or whatnot and just see Man, how. we can do it. We can do it. Spot the ball. <laughs> All right, appreciate it, Linda. All right, now, Mr. Kummer. I'll stay on the sidelines and uh, just do the commentary for you guys. <laughs> you going to stay out of this? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stay out of the way. I don't – I don't – I don't want that smoke either, man. <laughs> oh man, I, but I, 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 it's cool. I do it. I, I work at this every day, man. Hey, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. I'm just gonna say it right now. You are an, a very impressive young man. Uh, I think that the way you explained and, and answered Fidel's question and, and with uh, Kendall's questions, man. I mean, man, you, uh, you you sound like you you're a little bit hurt ahead of the game, but. Uh, Let's get into it, man. Uh, I, I want to hear your explanation and your philosophy and your thought. So, like, from somebody that was a, a wide receiver or somebody that, that came from high school to grambling, how has that transition been? Like, how different is it from playing a high, a high school game compared to a grambling game? Like, how much have you changed, I guess, in, in that process? And uh, Okay. So, boom. So, in high school, I used to think, you know what I'm saying? I used to think, uh, I, I listen to my music. I still listen to my music. But my pregame is way different. I didn't know it takes so much to get ready for a game. Like, you got to do so many stretches. You do a lot of things, like, warm your feet up. Like, as you get older, you, you start understanding these things, like, help you and, and can help you on the field and help you with injury-wise. So, I do a lot more stuff like I'm, I'm on a ladder before a game. I ain't never got on the ladder before a game. I'm on the ladder doing cones and stuff, warming up before a game. So I guess, I don't know, it's just it's just college football a lot more serious than high school. You know what I'm saying? A lot more crowd, a lot more people. It's just, I don't know, it it, 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 it take a lot. You know what I'm saying? You got to put a lot of time with, you know, with it. So I guess I do a lot of more extra stuff that I didn't do in high school. Yeah, that's that, that. That I'm pretty sure, man. Because I mean, right now, Grambling is making. I mean, you guys are in the head. You guys are headline news, man. I mean, HBCU is hot right now. All eyes right. are on, or all eyes are on all the teams. You know what I mean? Uh, right. But it's crazy because we're also learning the 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 history of HBCU and 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 we're we're seeing all the knowledge. Uh, but man, can you break it down? I love the way you're explaining to Kendall. Kendall was trying to, I guess, understand the type of wide receiver game you play. But can you explain and educate us 
okay, you know, what's a wide receiver position? Like, let's say, what's an, what's an X? Where do they line up? What's a Y? Where do they line up? Or what's a Z? And where do they line up? But I want to hear from, you know, what you've learned, obviously. And, right. and then, of course, you could kind of say, like, which one you are and which one you, you prefer to be. Okay, got you. So I've been a part of probably, I didn't went through about four or five different office of coordinators since I've been in college. And so a lot of them was the same, but some were slightly different. So like all of, and all of them, the offenses, the X receiver is the backside receiver and all of them. The Z receiver is, is to your strength. He's the outside receiver to the strength. So he's probably the strength with the, the strength most likely going to be with the tight end and a tight end is the Y. But in our offense, we have a zebra. He's called the zebra. And some people offenses is called the H. And in some people offenses is called a tiger. It's whatever you want to call it. Like yeah, it's, yeah. A slot, it's a slot, it's a slot receiver. So it's like whatever you want to call it, a tiger, H. If you want to call them slot. You know what I'm saying? Some people might love them as a Y. You know what I'm saying? So, so but my all... favorite position, yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah, rather. Yeah. It depends. I, I I don't know. I can't even answer. I, I just want. I don't. Wherever the you know what I'm saying. I want to line up. Wherever the play going, you know what I'm saying. I'm gonna line up and run it. If I'm outside, I'm gonna line up and run it. I'm gonna win. If I'm inside, I'm gonna line up and run it and win. But if I had to choose, one, if I had to choose one, excuse me, I like if I had to that. choose one, I'll take the slot. You take the slot, hey, amen. Yeah, I'll take the slot. Hey, man, I like- and it's because it's more valuable to the team, so I'll take the slot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I, I, I've, I've, I've had a blast today, man. Uh, getting to know you, man. Like I said, uh, thank you so much for for your time, man. I, I really appreciate that. Um, right. It'd be, it'd be cool to 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 catch a jersey number. Uh, and one thing I will add to that, or say to to or, or to finalize that, what we just said. I mean, we're we're kind of seeing like right now the league is kind of transitioning to more of a dominant slot wide receiver. So it's good that it's good that you you know what I'm saying you like that game and you you're trying to get better at it. So best right. of luck to you. But what's your jersey number so we can we can keep it? I'm number. I'm you. number. I'm a, my jersey number. I'm number ten. Number ten. And then All you right. know, also I don't know if you guys know this is my first this is my first year back since 2019 since my oh. research since my research sophomore year. So I technically I have two years left, you hear me? But I ha- I haven't played since 2019 because 2020 was COVID year and they pushed the season back to that spring, which made it 2021. And I toured my ECL in meniscus in 2021. Oh, One man. year ago last year, I toured in February. I toured in, I had surgery in February, and I just got back on the field and uh, was able to compete this spring. So I, I I was able to compete one year later. You know what I'm saying? Coming off a torn ACL and what you call them. That's why I said I got to get more explosive because I'm coming off a torn ACL. You know, so I feel like I'm behind. But I feel like I ain't miss a beat either because, like, through my injury, I, through my injury, I got so much smarter. You know what I'm saying? I, I've grown a lot. A uh, lot more film. Like, I don't know. It just my, my injury, it kind of it set me down and, and kind of made me, like, you know what I'm saying, like, focus on all the little things like the stretching and the extra and just, you know what I'm saying, how important nutrition is and stuff like that. So, like, I've been able to, you know, get better as a person through my injury, though. So, yeah, I'm actually supposed to be – they're supposed to be doing, like, a little commercial on my uh, – like, documentary my injury and stuff like that. Because, man, I was working – I was working to come back in, like, seven months. I was trying to come back in seven months and play in the fall season. Yeah, I was – man, I was trying to get back out there, but it was killing me sitting on the sideline. It was killing me. It was killing me. Man, yeah, I was no, out there, man. I was out there 70, 80 percent trying to practice like full. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't looking bad though. It just I was, you know, I had a little limp and stuff like that. But now, you know, I'm all the way healthy, you know what I'm saying? Thanks to God and stuff like that. Just continue, I'm gonna continue to put God first. And you know what I'm saying? The rest, you know, the rest is history. You know, so I got my goals. I told you I got y'all guys my goals. So, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just I'm just working, you know what I'm saying, trying to trying to get it, bro. Trying to get it. Man. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm going to be watching now. I'll be looking out for that number 10. Best best of uh, luck, man. And uh, and uh, I wish you a healthy season too, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I appreciate right, y'all Linda. having me. All right, Linda. Thank you so much for hopping on, man. Really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this upcoming season. And uh, we might see you in the fall with our Grambling.
Yeah, so y'all gotta come down for a game. I'm inviting y'all. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a it's 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 a hell of a experience. I'm not even gonna lie. Like homecoming and stuff like that. If y'all free round homecoming, I don't that's know what I was told. Man, come down here. It's it's man. You gotta come down. Hey, here. Lin, hey, Linda, let me get your number, man. I'm gonna come out there and press you a little bit. Man, come press. Come on, I need that. Come on. That, <laughs> that's a bet. <laughs> man, yeah, y'all gotta come out here and see the experience, though. Like, like at Grambling, you get the full like HBCU experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's from the tailgate to like the you know the family functions and stuff like that. The history, the history is crazy. I learned something new every day. New receiver that made it a draft, they got drafted, or a new guy, D lineman that went to Grambling. That was a great like, like you find out, and they got like a a museum on campus. It's like called the Eddie Robinson Museum, one of the nicest museums, and I I ever seen like, and I I went to the museum like four five times, like, and I don't even go to museums. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I like, you know what I'm saying Grambling. I like Grambling. It's, it's and you know what I'm saying it's, it's country, but. I mean, hey, like it ain't nothing to do in Grambling, but get better. You know what I'm saying? It ain't nothing to do but get better. All right, Lyndon, thank you so much. All right, you guys, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thanks. All right. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.